Today on Lockdown Red Wings, Jay Verity was hired as the assistant coach of the Detroit Red Wings, and we're going to give you a little bit of a lineup projection going into the next season. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for WWJ News Radio 950. Well, Scotty is the host over at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And Scotty's had a busy couple of days, as well as still going to continue after today. Busy week overall for you, honestly. Yeah, yeah. The um, MLB draft is always one of the like busiest two, three day stretches of my life. So it's it's uh, it's been been yeah, all, driving all over the place, got guesting all over the place, doing doing you know my own stuff that uh, that we got to do covering wise. But it's um, it, it's you, a blast. It's just exhausting. I'm, I'm gonna take a fat nap on Wednesday. Let me. Do tell you. you really have to cover all twenty rounds of the MLB draft? Like every single player that gets taken in those twenty rounds, you have to be like, okay, here's a breakdown. Uh, I mean, have to is a weird way to word that question. I guess I don't have to, but I do. Yes. Like you, you actually want to do a breakdown on every single, like it's round 19. This kid is like from a community college in Utica and you're just like, okay, here's his pros and his cons. He'll never make the MLB. No, that's not true. But yeah, I do want to do that. Yes. Man, that's crazy. That's there's so I, many rounds. I, I respect I so. your passion. If I don't know, man, if the NHL had 20 rounds, I don't know if I'd be able to be like, here's an in-depth analysis of this guy. I, I respect it, Scotty. I, respect I mean, it. like, you know, I'm not giving like half hour analysis on each player or anything, but, uh, but yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we, um, we break down every single player, player drafted by the Tigers over, uh, over there. So it's like when, uh, so uh, the Montreal Canadiens signed uh, a goalie today. I, last name I can't remember. It was very French. It might like Montague or some uh, something like that. And he just said at the end of it, it was like, so-and-so signed this kind of contract. He is a goalie. Like, no no <laughs> breakdown. You're just like, the, the Tigers picked this guy third or in the 13th round. He is a shortstop. There was some... No, my, my breakdowns are great. There was some... Uh, a couple of guys literally on the MLB draft stream, like they're like work for MLB network, like are on the panel at the draft, like coverage. And in like the eighth round, they were like, yeah, if, if one of my scout friends wants to text me and fill me in about this, dude, that'd be great. Cause I have no clue. Like just like set it on air. And we were like, all right, fair enough. dude." Well, like, I mean, you reach your point, right? Like that's where you get the, yeah, onion no, certainly, certainly. Yeah. No, not a single person on the planet knows everybody for all 20 rounds. That'd be impossible. So. Anyways, back to Red Wings hockey, because that's what we do here. Lockdown Red Wings. The Red Wings hired uh, Jay Verity to be an assistant coach for the Detroit Red Wings. He joins uh, he joins Alex Tange, who's already here, a special teams coach. Uh, he joins Bob Bugner. Bugner, guys. Bugner, not Boner. Bugner. Even though it totally looks like it should be pronounced the former, but it's Bugner. <laughs> um, and then he also joins as well. Alex Westland, Westland going to be the goaltending coach for the Detroit Red Wings. So it really comes down to who's going to be uh, the offensive assistant coach and who's going to be the defensive assistant coach between Bugner and uh, Jay Verity. But Verity spent the last three seasons with the Tucson Roadrunners. 
Uh, two of those three seasons, they did not make the playoffs, but one of those seasons, they were the division champions. And then he also spent a short stint with the Arizona Coyotes as an assistant coach. Uh, so now we're starting to see, Scotty, the nucleus form around uh, Derek Lalonde. And besides Bob Bugner, who spent three years, I believe it was, on and off as the San Jose Sharks head coach, there's not a lot of NHL experience here. And, you know, the um, I just don't really know what to make of it yet because of the fact that a lot of these guys lack NHL experience as not just a head coach, but an assistant coach as well. So it's going to be a very hit from the players to the coaching staff. There's going to be a lot of inexperience and that can be either a very awesome thing or it could be a little anxiety giving thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I love it. I, I, I think, you know, only, only time will tell at the end of the day, but, but I, I love it for, uh, for a couple of reasons. And, and one is the fact, I think that this is the, perfect time to bring in like a like like fresh young talent at the coaching level like i i think where you're at in the rebuild this is the perfect time to bring guys like that in bring bring you know newer coaches around i i I just think the timing's perfect so i'm a big fan of of taking a swing on on some of these guys and at the end of the day if they don't work out then you it's an assistant coach you fire them at the end of the year and bring in somebody else like who cares and well um, like the, the, the risk much outweighs the reward. And, and if you can find some, you know, hidden, uh, hidden jewels within the, this group of coaches, then that's awesome. Well, and that's, what's nice, I guess, about having a guy like Bob Bugner, uh, just because of the fact that he does bring that head coaching experience. Now, granted mm-hmm. he was head coach of the Florida Panthers for two years and he was San Jose Sharks head coach. He started off as interim head coach. And then the last two years he was head coach as well. They didn't make the playoffs in any of the five seasons where he was head coach with either the Panthers or the Sharks. The Panthers roster wise were in a much better position than the Sharks were. So I know that was a little bit one of, we talk about it a lot. The Panthers for a lot of years were underperforming. And so, you know, maybe the winning experience isn't there, but at least it's head coaching experience and maybe can help Derek Lalonde. If maybe not though, also, because we saw with, uh, the Detroit Lions this past year, they had a guy who was a head coach in the NFL and had success, you know, intermediate success at the NFL level. And then they fired him by the end of the season because it didn't work out. Now, not making direct comparisons between the NFL and the NHL, that would be, you know, ludicrous. But, you know, it does Luda. help to have a guy who was in that situation to kind of tell you, like, as you're learning, if you're Derek Lalonde, as you're learning and being like, this is a new situation for me, kind of go to Bob Bugner and be like, what would you do in this situation? Not that, you know, Bob Bugner's advice is the end all be all. And Derek Lalonde very may, very may just be ready for the position. I mean, we think he is given the success he had with Tampa Bay and who he coached with and John Cooper, but it does help to have that kind of experience on the roster. And then also have uh, guys like Jay Verity who are, who look like they're ready to take the next step, get out of the AHL and become the assistant coach for the Detroit Red Wings. Cause this is how new coaches get made at the NHL level. So, like I said, it, it's a little bit, it's it's impossible to tell how this coaching staff is going to gel, but if Steve Eiserman trusts, trusts Derek Lalonde to be the head coach and then extends that trust to Derek Lalonde to pick his coaching staff, then I have that trust in Derek Lalonde and the guys he brings in. The most interesting part of it, although, Scotty, is that Alex Tangay stay, still stayed on. They, Steve Eiserman must have some kind of faith in Alex Tangay as special teams coach, especially after how last year went. Yeah, I, I think that this is... We, we saw in free agency, he got the special teams a lot of help, right? So I think that this might be 
I mean, you know, it's very hard to stay on a, on a NHL coaching staff when what you are responsible for does really poorly two years in a row. So this kind of might sound, you know, like Captain Obvious ish, she, but it's like this is, you know, he actually got him a lot more special teams talent right like in free agency alone he he granted him so much more help on the penalty kill and the power play so i think that that's for for him specifically that's a uh thing that you know we'll, we'll see this year is probably his his last chance to prove himself now that as the guy who runs the special teams and and the power play specifically can can kind of get him some help yeah i completely agree i mean it just comes down to the fact that you know there's not much we can take away from this coaching staff. Alex Tange is going to be the most interesting wild card, and I think you're spot on sure. with the fact that, again, Jeff Blashill was here for six years, and the special teams is very underproductive, not unproductive for all six years. It's a nice way of putting it. Yes. Um, so there's, you know, a lot of the, you know, we can kind of see why. Maybe he was really pulling the strings and giving Alex Tange maybe a little bit more control over special teams. Maybe we'll improve it. And then just with the rest of those guys, it's just going to be new for us. We can sit here, Scotty, and we can try and overanalyze where these guys coached at, what level and what level of success they had. But in the end of the day, whole new coaching staff. Your coaching staff, as it stands, Derek Lalonde, head coach, Jay Verity, assistant coach, Bob Bugner, assistant coach, Alex Westland, goalie coach, and then Alex Tange as your special teams coach. And I, overall, I'm just excited to see what they can do and what kind of what kind of plays and plans they can come up with to bring this newly formed Red Wings team, which we'll talk what about. What kind of lines? What kind of lines? There you go. Beautiful segment they can bring us. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. From the people who invented healthy and tasty come the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given coconut brownie chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. The coconut brownie chunk Built Bar flavor you love in a delicious chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness, but don't, don't, but... Excuse me, but stop drooling and listen. They are good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time. Go to built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They are going fast because they taste amazing. All built bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Get to built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk built puffs right now go to built.com use promo code locked 15 and get 15% off your order use promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com segment two almost at segment three lockdown red wings podcast tuesday edition uh before we get into the lineup thing i do want to throw this out though to the listeners and say that if let us know what you think of the coaching staff do you approve do you disapprove there's a lot of uh, question marks but still i'd want to know what these people think for sure, no. I I definitely wanna wanna know what uh, the fan base thinks. I have one more thing that just yeah. makes me like him a lot more. Um, if you look at his playing career, Verity. If you look at his playing career, um, he was an enforcer. Oh my god, <laughs> I love this it. Guy. Bring it, bring me an enforcer on the coaching set. Listen to this, okay? Listen to this. Eight points and a hundred pims. In 73 games Almost at Union 200. College. Yeah, he, he was the dog. He was the he, he was the dog. That was in his uh yeah, that, that was at you in his games at Union College. Uh he was the team's captain. 
during his junior year because of it. And uh, he played two seasons in the US- USHL uh, for the Fighting Saints. And he had 14 points and almost 400 penalty minutes in 95 games. Give me that. That's a dog. He's got that dog in him. Give me that. I, that that alone made me. I was like, I love it. I absolutely love it. Scotty's like offensive production. Nah, we don't need nope. that. It's a coach. What you think he's gonna go out there and fill the net? No. If Sergey Fedorov can do it, if Sergey Fedorov can do it, Jay Verity can do it. Give me a dog. <laughs> All right, let's move on to these lineup projections. So the Red Wings radically changed what their roster looked like last week. Steve Eiserman signed five guys. What five guys? Day one. Mark Pissick, Day two. There's a lot of different and new names on this roster and a lot of names that are not on this roster from this last season. And so, Scotty, I want to go down real quick the last two segments here and spend time looking at what we think this roster or this lineup could look like. You know, it's not going to be, there's obviously probably going to be rotations here and there, but I think the easiest place to start is, well, the top line of the forward core, because I think that's probably the easiest to predict, assuming this is where the lineup uh, ends up. And I guess a preface, sorry, I, I'm, I'm adding on, but to preface this, we're basing things off players who are under contract with the Red Wings right now or have received a qualifying offer. So guys like Zadina and Wallman, uh, who Wallman will miss the start of the season, but they received qualifying offers. They're going to get new contracts. So we're crowning them. And I don't know if it's fair. Should we count Simon Edmondson? Because he hasn't officially made the roster yet. I feel like that's unfair. I mean, that feels like a subjective question to me. Yeah. If you think he's going to be in the lines, then you put him in there. If you don't All think right. he's going to be in the lines, then you don't put him in there. All right. Well, with that being said, uh, top line forward course, Scotty. I think it's uh, pretty easy to say that that's going to be Dylan Larkin center, Bertuzzi left wing, Lucas Raymond right wing. That seems to be uh, the moneymaker right there. Yep. Yeah, I agree. The, the only question was uh, Perone and if he maybe slid up and took some first line from Burt. But I, I think that uh, I think that the only reason Burt moved down last year was because they wanted to spread out the production because there was not, none from anyone else. <laughs> right. Not because of anything Burt did to deserve getting, quote unquote, demoted to the second line. So he got promoted um, to the second line to help out. <laughs> correct. Yeah, exactly. So because his his type of offense, the way he scores goals and 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 uh scores just production in general the the way he does that plays no matter who his line mates are like it just plays all around so he was the easy choice to to move down um and uh and it worked out and that's great and and bird is awesome so yeah i think now that we have depth i think that that like indirectly kind of you know, we, we go out, we sign a bunch of like better free agents and, and we increase the depth a lot. And that made it possible for Bert to go back to the first line. Yeah. See, I would argue instead of Perron, maybe Jacob Vrana gets slotted on that top line occasionally because Jacob Vrana has the ability, not just he's a sniper, but he also has the ability to drive some plays as well. He's not necessarily only uh, relegated to the finishing route, which I mean, Dylan Larkin for the most part is going to be your finisher. He improved on his defense two years ago, took a step back this past year, I believe, but overall he is, you know, pure offensive production. So I think your wingers with Dylan Larkin need to be guys who can set him up for success. And, you know, Lucas Raymond on one side can do just that with his hockey IQ. Tyler Bertuzzi can do that, but I think to a certain extent, Jacob Vrana would be good in that role as well. But, you know, Saying that Perron would make sense as well, but I think they'd want to go with a younger, maybe a younger option in that role. Well, but okay, so so that that's five on five. Let's just if you want to go offensive forwards for the first play power for the first power play unit, do you just have the the top line? Is that it, or do you put 
I'd put Perron so, there based okay. on his power play numbers. And absolutely. Sure. No, that, that, that was my question. Fair enough. And, and then, I mean, I don't know if we just want to do like power play frenzy, like the, the second line would then the second unit, I should say. Um, I mean, like I want to see Kubelik somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and then he's insane. He's got good finishing skills. Yeah, well, and, and like that's a dude that that fires away in the power play. So like, I I, I want to see him at, to some extent in one of the power play units, um, and then you know that that opens the opportunity, like, because like you can't really go wrong with Bird on the power play either. So like, it yeah. it, it really is a, a kind of a fluid situation. They're probably going to try out a lot of different lines. I don't expect this team to be like okay everybody's set here and that's how it's going to be from game one to 82 i think we're going to see a lot of line movement still because there are so many new pieces and new fun you know toys to play with i genuinely don't know who'd be the center on power play line too because andrew cop is you know more so a defensive minded center than mm -hmm. an offensive one I, I mean i think it would default to him because it can't be pew suitor i don't think it can be michael eh, you know i i could see a, a I hesitate to see Michael Rasmussen. I, I could see a world, but I don't think it's going to, I don't think that'll, he'll ever have the offensive production to warrant it. It's just, he has the, he has such good tools. He just never brings well, it to the table fully. The other thing is if, if hi, we, I'm Michael Rasmussen guys. <laughs> the other thing is if we want to switch from the, the other special teams, unit, if we want to look at the penalty kill unit, um, I, I mean, cop should be getting yeah. a, a lot of oh, it yeah. as, uh, you know, argument for, for first power. Jeez. I cannot differentiate the difference between power play and penalty kill. Should get a legitimate look of of getting uh, first unit penalty kill minutes as uh, you know Andrew Cobb should. And yeah, Peron, I, for that matter. I, um, I agree. I think Pew Suter would also do well on the penalty kill. He's more of a defensive minded center himself. Sure. Yep. Um, it's interesting. I think Michael Rasmussen and Oscar Sundquist would do really well in those penalty kill roles as well. Just big guys who aren't afraid to block a shot. Yep. Um, but. Line two, five on five. I think yeah. the middle six is where it gets really interesting on who's going to slot where because the Red Wings are stacked on the left side. I could see a world where David Perron doesn't play left wing and instead plays right wing. Uh, he has played time at times right wing for the I, teams he has played for. And I think just, he, yeah, I think he will play right. I, I think Verona will play. I think it'll be Verona, Cop, and, and Perron. Yeah, I because Cop is again, he's he's a good two way forward who can play both sides of the ice. He can play, he's a phenomenal uh playmaker as well. Uh David Perron is incredibly patient with the puck. He's great setting up players. Put him with a guy like Jacob Vrana, who has the finishing ability, but Jacob Vrana as well, to his credit, can also finish. So maybe you see a world where world where instead of Jacob Vrana and Perron on the second line, maybe you're putting Jacob Vrana with Philip Zadina on his other opposite side, because Philip Zadina did see a little bit more success playing with Jacob Vrana. For so sure. And David Perron, at his age, you know, granted he had 27 goals last year, so I'd hesitate putting a guy with 27 goals on the third line. But maybe he'd be really well in that bottom nine uh, role on that third line, playing winger there for an insane amount of production. I think this middle six is going to be incredibly fluid, especially early in the season, because I think Verona and Zadina had good chemistry, but Perron brings a, a, a level of competitiveness and offense to it as well. I think right now, you're probably looking at Jacob Vrana, Cop, and David Perron on the opposite side. But if you want to mix that up, like this middle six is fluid, man, fluid. Yeah, I, I think it'll start off as as Verona, Cop, and Perron. But um, th there, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, fun to be had when when messing with the middle six. And honestly, just the 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 bottom nine in general is is kind of a fascinating conversation. Yeah. I mean, fourth line is is 
somewhat predictable. At least two of the three are somewhat predictable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that 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 middle six plus even you know maybe right side winger on line four is definitely a fun conversation. Well, because so you look at line three then, because let's just get to line three real quick before yeah. uh, we get to the second break. But Pew Suter, obviously three C. I yeah. think that that's exactly where he fits. I think he's going to be good in that role. Um, Philip Zadina play level deserves to be on the third line, but chemistry is such an important thing. I could see him, you know, if we're not giving up on him yet again, going back up to that second line to play with Jacob Verona, because under no circumstance do I want to see Jacob Verona lower than line two. Under no circumstance, I'm done that. He needs to be a top six winger, and he plays well with uh, Zadina. So I'm okay with that. Um, in that case, I'm okay with moving David Perron down and having him play either left wing or right wing on the other side of Pew Suter. I think Dominic Kubelik probably plays left wing, though on that third line, he could play as low as fourth line. I think I'd be okay with that. But right now, I think that, you know, given, you know, the wing situation in that middle six, again, is going to be very fluid. But right now, let's stay, I think Pew Suter, Dominic Kubelik, and Philip Zadina would be a solid third line. Um, my problem with that though is, and this is where it comes back to chemistry is, you know, Pew Suter is a great setup guy, but both Kubelik and Zadina are supposedly finishers. So you want two finishers on either side. That's why I'm saying that that middle six is going to be probably pretty fluid. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to get to segment three here in a second, and we're going to finish talking about these, uh, line projections for the Red Wings. Got to talk about all the defense, but I think the defense is going to be pretty easy to knock out real quick, but. Let's get a word from our sponsors real quick. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Uh, let's knock out this fourth line real quick, get to our defense. Um, and I say knock out, but there's a lot of question marks at the fourth line because there's a lot of guys left over. Uh, Michael Rasmussen and who, okay, lead question. Joe Valeno or Michael Rasmussen, who's your center on line four? Michael Rasmussen. See, I'm of the same mindset, but I don't fault people who think that Joe Valeno deserves to be center because Michael Rasmussen can play wing and has at times showed that he's a competent wing. I like Michael Rasmussen given his size um, the, to play fourth line center because I, that, that that's just a personal preference. For sure. I, I really like a fourth line of Ernie Rasmussen and fill in the blank. Sunquist, Zadina, Sunquist. if you want to move him down that lot far, you, you know. Put Valeno on on the wing. See what happens. I I really like I, I really like the, the the Ernie Rasmussen and then fill in the blank uh, fourth line. Yeah, I think it's going to be it'll be defaulted Sunquist for sure. But I think that they'll they'll be able to mix in some people in there. Yeah, I just I keep wanting to see more out of Valeno, and you can't get more out of Valeno unless you give him the ice time. But I just think Michael Rasmussen, personally, in my opinion, is such a good four C for the team. Like you saw him kind of shine late in the season, getting put back into that center role. Um, he like refound his game, but he's fine at wing too. So, I mean, it really depends on who you want to be center long-term for this team, Joe Valeno, Joe Valeno or Michael Rasmussen, but I'd be fine either playing wing to be honest, but I know Joe Valeno is more of a true center than Michael Rasmussen. So I get the argument. I think it's going to be very fluid there as well, but um, Adam Ernie probably on the wing and Oscar Sundquist on the other wing and then rotating Michael Rasmussen, Joe Valeno, whoever you want that night. Yep. I completely agree. Giovanni Smith has a healthy scratch. Robbie Fabry is. You just had to slide that in there. It's true. You just felt like you were like, oh, let me just like slide this in here really quick. Slide that in there. Uh, Robbie Fabry, once he comes back from injury, though, is going to really shake up these lineups and it's going to be a deep squad. Which is all well, like, uh, you know, everything's relative. But in comparison to what we see in a long time, yes, absolutely. And, and uh, I, you know, that that becomes an interesting conversation because like you, you just paid the man right before he got hurt. Right. Yeah. So what do you do? That's uh 
I mean, left wings are now Bertuzzi, Fabry, Vrana, Peron, Kubalik, and then, well, I mean, those are really ex- Ernie can play right wing, and I don't see him in that. You know, sticking in the lineup. That's still five. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Five quality wingers. Yeah, definitely. That's why you said the other day, and I agree with you. There feels like there's a move in the mix, unless they don't expect Fabry to be back anytime soon. Uh, I. I mean. You know, you can trade people at the deadline when when Fabry's back. You, you don't. It doesn't have to be a move right now. You can and like we saw so quickly last year. You know, two injuries and it's not deep anymore. Like, yeah, it's not. You know what I mean? Like deep, deep is is is. You know, for now because everyone, uh, uh, well, not even everyone's healthy, right? Like Fabry's literally hurt. So, uh, so it's, Jake it's, Wallman. It's right. So like it's it's all. It's all relative and depends on timing, but uh, it would not surprise me whatsoever if a if a winger was moved. Um, but they also might just sit on their hands and go, "We'll just take a, a, a you know the deepest squad we've had in half a decade and, and roll that out there." So speaking of deep squad, the defensive core is a lot deeper now too, like way, 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 way better than they mm-hmm. were this past season. Who, in your honest opinion, do you think is going to be the top pair for the Detroit Red Wings this season coming up? Uh, I think it's Moritz Sider and Ben Sherratt. I think you're right. I think that's spot on. And in fact, I think uh, Iserman and said as much. are and, like really upset about it. No, I mean like, okay, listen. I don't like the term and I don't like the money they gave Ben Sherratt. But clearly, and I've said this before, general managers around the league value Ben Sherratt and what he brings. And I do think that there is value in what he brings. It's just the term and the money I don't like. At 31 years old, he's a heavy-hitting uh, defenseman who has a little bit of an offensive upside, but he really stands up for his teammates, and he is really, really physical in the defensive zone. And I think that brings value, especially when playing pay, playing with a young defenseman like Moritz Sider. So I think that they could complement each other very well. So I do think that's going to be your top pair. And you're paying him top pair money. So I think it's very obvious he's going to and be the top pair. He's going to, you know, put putting a, a veteran, no matter how poor the production is. And I know we went through the same thing with DDK. And this is just, you know, regurgitated. I, I mean, he's going but, to be an upgrade. But no, he, he A, he is going to be an upgrade. But but B, even if the production isn't great, at, at the end of the day, at least he's going to like not let anybody mess with cider or larkin or raymond or you know what i mean like at at least when he's out there he's gonna take no crap like at at least it's 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 some somewhat of a leadership uh role that that he has the ability to take there and um at at top line and so we'll we'll see and and well and he played his best hockey playing with shea weber and dustin bufflin so yeah. I, I think that's good company to be in. And I think that Moritz Sider is going to help him get back to his, the top of his defensive game because that's when he played his best defense. It kind of sucks that you need to be playing with a top-tier defenseman to become a top-tier defenseman. But this is the reality we live in, and I think that's pretty obviously your top pair because I don't see anyone else. And here's here's where I come my other side of this, Scotty. There's not another defenseman on this list that I'd currently want to pair with Moritz Sider than Ben Sherratt. I think Ben Sherratt is the best option to pair with Moritz Sider. I'm not arguing that. Yeah. I, I mean, like, look, it's, it's, it's one of those things where like, I don't know, like who, who else, who else are you gonna put up there? Like, like Heronic, I think is pretty solidified at, at, at second line. Uh, I guess like Mata, like, is that your, your alternative? I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think 
not, I don't want to say by default, because that, that probably has like a negative connotation to it. But like, I, I think that that like it's probably Sherrod at the top. Ben Sherrod's capable of playing 25 minutes a night. And besides more Sider, he's the only one on the roster currently capable of doing that. That yes. is that is just facts. Yep. Um, I think your second line defensive pairings are pretty well set. And again, Steve Eisman said as much in the press conference last week. Olimata, Philip Ronick, I think those two are going to complement each other very well with their play styles. I agree. I agree 100%. Philip Ronick being offense first, Olimata being defense first. I think that they're going to cover for cover for each other when need be. Yeah, uh, and, and Hironic also, you know, he, he has the ability to kind of quarterback, uh, you know, you, you said offensive first, but his style of play offensively is he has the ability to, to play some QB back there at the blue line. So have, having him a, maybe even gives him a little bit more freedom to, to spread perfect. out and be a little bit more aggressive a great defen- point. defensively because Mata can then just, you know, hold, hold it back a little bit. And same thing on, on, uh, on the other end of the ice. I think uh, it, it might help Horonic defensively knowing, you know, having kind of a security blanket type of player back I, there. That's going to be a little better defensively. That's a fantastic point, Scotty. I, I love that. Um, third pair is Garrett gets interesting for the Detroit Red Wings because they have a few guys under contract. Give me Simon Edmondson and Gustav Lindstrom. That's where it gets interesting. So, <laughs> You have basically four defensemen that are of NHL caliber in our eyes that are yeah. that could play in that bottom pair. And I, I Simon Evanson could come up and be ready for more. Uh, Simon Evanson, people are of the belief he doesn't have as much of an offensive upside as more cider, but that's perfectly okay with me because I want my I am of, of the belief I want my defense to be able to play defense. And if Simon Evanson can play defense as well as more cider, then I am 100% happy. Um, but you have Jordan Osterley, Gustav Lindstrom, Mark Pissick, and um, Simon Edmondson all under contract. Now, granted, Simon Edmondson can go right back overseas or go to the AHL, no problem. But if he's ready to play at the NHL level, he'll earn himself a roster spot. I th- no- I hesitate to put him in the lineup immediately because I haven't seen him tr- at training camp yet. I haven't seen how he looks competitively. We know how he looked in the SHL. We know how he performed, but it's a different game in the NHL. So I'm going to go the conservative route here with my roster projection, my lineup projection and go that, that bottom pair is going to be Gustav Lindstrom. And for me personally, and it's another right-handed shot, which is why I hesitate to say so, but I really like Mark Pissick. I like how defensively defensive he is. So I'm okay with slotting Mark Pissick in there on the left side of Gustav Lindstrom, just because Gustav Lindstrom needs a veteran defenseman who is a good defensive defenseman to continue to learn from. And that's why I'm putting Mark Pissick there. Now, again, they're both right-handed shots. So when it comes down to brass tacks, they may end up slotting Jordan Osterley in there because he's a left-handed shot. But it could be Simon Edvinson. It could be Jordan Osterley. It could Give be Mark me Pissick. Simon Edvinson and could be Simon Gustav Edvinson. Lindstrom. That's I, I want you to be right, but I really like Mark Pissick's game too, a veteran defensive defenseman. He's he's a, he's literally think, just a budget only model. Yeah, I, I think he is a perfect seventh D-man, like Perfect, like ideal for any team. I think he is a, a, a perfect seventh defenseman. Are you playing Osterley over Pissick though? Uh, like I'd rather have Pissick in the lineup than Osterley. Not the not a shot of Osterley, but I think yeah, Pissick is no, just I, better. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I you think just want I Simon Edmondson in the lineup, and then if Correct. Simon Edmondson makes the team, what do you do then? Because you also have Jake Wallman, who granted he just had surgery, is going to miss the start of the season. I mean, Wallman well, gets healthy. Now you have like eight defensemen, nine defensemen. Yeah, but okay, yes, but when was the last time a team 
went through an 82 game season and everyone was healthy for all 82 true. games. That is also you true. Need, you need, you can't just trade. So you're exactly at seven defensemen exactly at like 10 forwards because that you're going to get hosed. That, good problem to have. I guess is just my point. That's all. Uh, what good are the Rangers goalies? Man. So I, I really go and, and like, okay, like, haha, funny. Like we know the two goalies, but the, the, timeshare is fascinating to me and, and i keep going back and forth on whether it's going to be like 50 50 or it's going to be like a true like just ride the hot hand kind of thing um but it like if i had to guess today i would say 40 four games alex nadelkovich yeah 44 games for net I think it's going to be starting out 50-50 between the two goaltenders, and then once they get a feel for whoever's playing better, it's just going to be ride the hot hand. I think starting yep. out, they're going to play playing every other game or you know a couple games here, a couple games there, and then hot hand. So it's going to be 1A, 1B, transition to hot hand, kind of like we saw this last year with Greiser. So Yep, completely agree, brother. Uh, all right, so that'll do it. We kind of rushed through that, but I think if we had to recap real quick, uh, top line, Bertuzzi, Larkin, Raymond. Second line, Vrana, Kopp, Perone. Third line, Kubelik, Suter, Zadina. Those are fluid. Those two lines, they could alternate. Uh, fourth line is Rasmussen, Sundquist, and Ernie with the possibility of Joe Valeno and Rasmussen sharing time because I think that's going to be realistic. Defensive pairings, Sherat, Sider, Mata, Hronik. You say Lindstrom, Edvinson. I say Lindstrom, Pisic. Uh, and then go- goalies are going to be even, even Huso and Nedeljkovic. I get it all. Bang. Yes, sir. Thanks for making Lockdown Red Wings your first listen every single day. Now make your second listen Locked on NHL. Lockdown experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to the date on... Man, I'm butchering this. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Lockdown NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. That was great, man. Thanks, man. We're over time. That's why I was rushing it. All right, Scotty. Any final thoughts, man? We ball, baby. We absolutely ball. We'll be back on Wednesday with a new episode. Same time, same place. See your team every Every day. Every day. Interesting. Okay.